0: Great events create great brands, and it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Melissa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hello, everyone. What is going on in this wide, wide world of events that we're living in? We've got a full cast of hosts for today on The Great Events Podcast. Of course, you guys know me. Back together, I'm Alyssa. We've got Paulina and Rachel both on this week's episode. So it should be a really great conversation. We're here to hype up the industry and talk a little bit about all of these events that we're seeing come back into the fold right now. I think we've seen this kind of been building for weeks, kind of started with our discussion that we had at Event Connect. Uh, we had another episode that featured some of our global counterparts on just global event trends. And we were talking a lot about this return to in-person. I myself attended Forrester B2B Summit. We did an episode on that as well. But one of the things that we haven't really talked about is some of the trends that we're seeing more in that B2C space, so these really large, epic gatherings of 60,000 to a million people, a million plus even, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We want to talk about some of these other bigger events and how some of those event trends could be applied to the consumer-facing events that you guys are hosting in this space. So, Rach, I I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about kind of our roadmap for the future. I know, obviously, that's a little bit more B2B focused, but still, the, the roadmap is robust,
1: I think, for this quarter and beyond. So what's going on with the team? I'm just so excited i I feel like I'm already exhausted just looking at things both personally and professionally because there's so much there's so many concerts coming up that I want to go to, and there's so much to do, and it's it's so exciting being back. I'm loving all this like economic support that our industry is like pumping out there. I feel like it started really ramping at you know the end of twenty one but now it's like fire hose to the face for event props <laughs> both you know in our industry and outside the industry but I, I feel like if you're planning an event going to event you're part of the industry in some way of capacity either as a planner or organizer or as an attendee you guys just got back
0: from a major wedding I think there's hundreds of people at that one I was in the Bahamas a couple weekends ago and I will say I hadn't thought about this earlier until just now but there were tons of incentive trips I left on a Monday and you could tell that there's almost this like un- uncorking of sorts that everybody just wants to be out. Everybody wants to be celebratory.
1: We're all back in business. Our uh, incentive trip is coming up next week that Paulina's team is planning and going to. So yeah, the fire hose, I would just say, has started like IMEX is next week. This is not events industry, but the World Economic Forum is happening this week in Davos. I know that was postponed from January. IMAX Frankfurt are looking forward to. I'm really looking forward to MPI WEC, their 50th anniversary coming up in June. I just feel like we'll talk about some of that stuff later. We have dedicated podcasts for both IMAX and uh, MPI, but today we want to talk about some of the fun ones that have been going on or we've been witnessing things like the NFL draft, which we saw being built at Seventh Connect. That was hosted at Caesars Forum, where we had Seventh Connect and they were literally building it outside of. Uh, our event space and watching it on TV was just wild afterwards because it was like, wait, we were just there, our war room was there right next to it, and now we're in t- we're experiencing it on the on on the on the television here, just wild.
0: Well, that's a really good example because I did I, I read an article on just how that was conducted and all of the organizations that were involved. I know we have a pretty significant partnership with Caesars Entertainment. But I think also SEMA, the Corporate Event Marketing Association was also involved in that. And I think they were hosted in many ways to go and kind of witness. And that's alongside of what we're talking about here to go and witness what other industries like kind of cross industry learning opportunities and what the NFL was doing for their program and how some of those practices could be applied to the events that they were doing that, that might be a lot smaller in scale, but the, you know, from those those attendee activations and how to make the most of your brand, I think the NFL is a leader in that space. Right? The fandom is real there.
1: Paulina and I talk about this all the time. We always look for inspiration, even for our B two B events, like at other events. And I feel like Paulina was just inspired in a significant way. I'm not going to spill the beans here, Paulina. You definitely can.
2: Is that my official segue? That's your cue. <laughs> Great. Yeah, no, I mean, just to echo what Rachel was saying, even for virtual events, you know, we look to Instagram, we look to Masterclass, we've seen what Netflix and Hulu do for inspiration about how we want to produce our programs, what cool things can we we integrate into the agendas, so... Bringing it back home to that sort of in person, not sort of that in person experience and how to activate it on site. We've historically looked at B2C programs uh, for inspiration, largely, you know, South by Southwest or even festivals, right? Like Coachella was a theme for one of our evening events back in 2017. So it's nice to come back full circle and drumroll, please. uh, The experience that Rachel was alluding to as I went to the inaugural Formula One Miami Grand Prix event. Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe it was two weeks ago. I like feel like the longer I get away from it, the more the blues set in. I am a diehard fan and I'm gonna leave all of the fan passion to the side and try and keep this uh, nice and tight because we could be here for well into happy hour timeframe. But it was a three-day event, a Friday through Sunday pattern for people who aren't familiar with the Formula One typical agenda. There's a practice day, Uh, With two practice rounds on Friday, a qualifying day on Saturday, and then the big heralded race on Sunday afternoon. The
0: Grand Prix, if you will.
2: The Grand Prix. That's right. That's right. True to its name. First off, it was the first time going to this event um, and the first time Miami was hosting it. There is one that takes place in Austin, typically in the fall every year. And so I have to admit, I had a little bit of anxiety because I planned all of this for a family vacation. So my parents and my husband and then my two siblings and their significant others. So a big group. I mean, there were eight of us traveling from the Mid-Atlantic region to Florida. So that gives you a sense of flights were involved. We were looking for accommodations. We had transportation to book. And, you know, this is kind of like a small, well, literal fam trip. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I couldn't help myself.
1: That was a great, great fun. <laughs> <was laughs> <good laughs> <one. That was laughs>
2: so I kind of felt really responsible for everyone's experience. So I did, you know, an enormous amount of due diligence in how long is it going to take from where we're staying to get to the venue? And then, you know, what is the parking experience? And so I was kind of like walking on eggshells at first and I kind of pulled my dad aside at one point and I was like, dad, just want you to know, I don't know exactly how this is going to go. I don't think it's going to be anything like Fire Festival, but I just don't <laughs> want that to not be part of the uh, scenario. So can happily report back that for the inaugural event, I thought it was impeccably organized, really, really well done. Just thinking about it from my personal perspective as an event organizer, the event app that they used was one of the tightest event apps I've ever seen. I was getting emails, push notifications, you know, at least a week, perhaps a week and a half leading up to the event. And it was just so well, well organized, super informative. I mean, the FAQ was impeccable. They had a, a geotagged interactive map once you were on Hard Rock's campus. And it was just, it was really, really well done. I feel like, of course, there's some areas for growth and improvement, but I, I have to say I, I was completely floored.
0: I think it's really nice to to stress the technology piece too, because we put our blinders on a lot when we're thinking about we need this, we have this need for these conferences or these summits or these forums or things like that. But there's also these lessons to be learned and how we can incorporate some of those best practices from a much larger consumer facing event and what types of content they're putting in there. How are people using it? Like, What's the consumer behavior? And then how could that influence us on the business side of things too? I think that's really important as a key takeaway.
2: Yeah, it was a complete digital event. So there was, you know, no tickets. There was no barcodes on printouts that they were even accepting. It was cashless. It was all meant to be paid from your phone. If you, if you could, I think actually they took, they did take uh, credit cards on site, but F1 has been around for hundreds of years. I think maybe a hundred years. So you're talking about a cross generational audience. And so they did a ton of pre-event communication reminding people you can only access and get into the event by digitally scanning your barcode entry
0: but also alongside of that sometimes brands can get really stodgy and antiquated and it sounds like they're like constantly not only on top of the the bar but like kind of raising it too when it comes to these types of a- attendee and brand activations which which these events are for them right the brand is the experience
1: there's a speed element too to that because you know like Lose your physical ticket and then have to go to a box office to get another printed thing. I love that. Simplification, but also kind of
2: aligned with, you know, speed and F1, you know, kind of goes hand in hand, right? I mean, when you're dealing with almost 250,000 people, you have to have the most streamlined experience. And I mean, even just thinking about the logistics from pulling up to the parking lot, showing your digital parking pass, and then seeing 65, 55, passenger buses waiting to take you from only one of the, I don't even know how many parking lots there were. I mean, you kind of start to actually feel, oh my gosh, this is a huge event. And they were just so overly prepared and, and really organized. I want to talk a little bit really quickly about the activations and feel free to chime in and cut me off here. But a lot of the planning for Event Connect, I wanted to think about integrating DE&I and ESGs and, and ways to sort of activate on that and thread that through the on-site experience as much as we threaded it through the content and, and virtual experience. And Formula One is, is really active in terms of supporting equal rights and has been championing the women's driver series the uh, the W series programming and so i just felt like all of that was truly activated for on site in sort of a tactical way which being in the virtual world for so long i forgot how much i wanted to be able to see what it's like to change a tire with my own hands or see black artists from the greater miami area featured and doing really cool artwork on F1 cars or on recycled pieces of plywood all throughout different areas of the campus. I want to cut in here because as you're
0: speaking, Paulina, one of the things that we've talked about, and I don't know if we have really brought this up on the podcast, is sporting events are kind of like the OG of hybrid events. So Paulina and I, because I'm also an F1 fan, have been experiencing... F1 as a virtual participant, right? Or as that virtual audience or you know, the at-home audience is what the broadcasting world would probably call it. We in the events industry would think of us as the virtual participants, but there is that voyeuristic element. And it's very clear that F1 at a brand level cares about diversity and inclusion. And it, we wait, race as one is a big moniker that they have. It's part of their tagline. But I've never got to feel that. I've never had that sensory experience. So hearing you talk about that, Paulina, is really interesting to me. That like that was brought to life, and that's the magic that this industry provides is the tactile experience. It's the sensory part of it's a three sixty view of of a brand's promise, right? And that's what like this industry gets to do is bring things to life in a three dimensional way when there is an in person element.
2: I mean, that was perfectly said. I think just to kind of echo the whole, the international flavor of, of this program, of this genre of sports, I think it was interesting to sort of see the Americanized version of it and the traditional international experience kind of. Melded together. I think it was interesting. You could certainly feel the difference. And part of that I felt was like enlightening because I feel like there's, there's some ways that we can soften things and, and sort of integrate more of the original aesthetic into the US race. But I think what was really interesting too was they had ESPN Deportes, you know, had this massive activation where literally it was a three, I don't know what you call it. It was like a moving camera experience where you could like hold the trophy and Wear your flag if you were, you know, supporting a particular driver from a unique country. Like my stepmom is from Germany and she got immediately up on this podium and is rocking the German flag, right? So there's this sort of larger international community, but also bringing in other experiences that I think, you know, perhaps U.S. uh, sports fans would not have otherwise experienced at an MLB game or at an NFL game, right? And so I feel like there's an opportunity to kind of shake up other pieces, because what was kind of an interesting moment, I'm going to say it, it was cringy when the winners of the race got onto the podium, they were wearing Pirelli, which is like the, the the tire manufacturer football helmets. And I was just sort of what's happening here. But, you know, then the race driver gets up there and the guy who presents him the trophy is one of, you know, the heralded, renowned uh, Miami Dolphins quarterback. So it was an interesting way to kind of integrate those sort of traditional F1 audiences with American audiences. Yeah, I thought it was you know you could feel it happening, and I, I kind of appreciated the you know the the attempt at I don't want to say attempt. The, no, I like the attempt. <laughs> the attempt. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There are other. Well, ways and you I, we've go talked about this on other podcasts. I know I'm always the one who's like, know your audience, understand who you're going after, and I think there is definitely a big play right now that F1 is going after. They have a Netflix documentary, for those of you who aren't familiar. Honestly, I like hook, line, and sinker bought in from that. But there is definitely calculated activities that are going on within F1 that they're trying to expand their audience, very much like what we do in our event space, right? Like we have these outcomes that we're trying to do with all of our programs. We have goals that we're trying to achieve. And so some of those activations or some of those things are in an attempt to get those outcomes that they're looking for, which is to attract that Americanized audience. I, I get what you're saying, Paulina, sometimes a little like over on the on the Americana, but the, it's all we have to try these things. We have to pilot these things. We have to experiment in this space to see if that's what works. And maybe that's, maybe F1 learned something.
2: I feel like the one thing that genuinely just just hit me as you were talking about the Netflix series is just peeking behind the curtain across any type of event, that behind the scenes exposure, and then to either watch it come to life on TV or in person immediately manifests sort of a deeper engagement, a deeper interest. And so maybe that's something we should be thinking about as we look for, you know, or look to do our event design for future hybrid programs. Like what is the pre-event marketing or behind the you know, scenes that you can lend to your audience that might captivate one more registrant or one more actual day of attendee. I just think there's something there that we could probably really unpack.
1: So what you're saying is F1 drivers and change stations at our next event.
2: Yes. I
0: mean, twist
1: my arm. As an activation. (laughs) If
0: it's part of our audience. (laughs) If if our audience wants that.
2: We'll have to do a pre-event survey. Why not a (laughs) keynote speaker? These people are the best at what they do. There's only 20 of them in the world. And talk about having similar, (laughs) I don't want to say job responsibilities, but being able to operate under severe duress and making quick decisions. <laughs> I don't know if our decision-making is as quick as theirs. This is like in, you know, milliseconds, but there's a lot of synergy that, you know, these drivers have, the, the sport has to our industry at large. They, you know, they had to race not in front of fans for two years. And I can't imagine, you know, what that does in terms of the driver's mental awareness or, or whatnot, but there's so much to impact.
0: Takeaway on both sides for, for those that are driving in the industry, but also for the fandom piece too. And I think like that just is a testament to how important the face-to-face connection is in like bringing out the best in a brand. It doesn't negate what's possible in a virtual space, but there's so much power when people come together and that exchange of information, that connection to... An experience that can't be replicated ever again. Like Paulina, you're you're already sad to be two weeks away from this thing, and I'm over here sad because I didn't go. And there's a testament to what happens
1: in this entire industry. It's it's magic. I think that we should manifest that in, that excitement and start to register for every every event coming up. <laughs> Let's go to everyone. Every Got everything. <laughs> Buy
0: all the tickets. <laughs> I have to admit, I just bought my first, and this is like not event related, but it is the leaving my house type thing, the non-virtual experience. I just bought my first set of movie tickets in three years, probably. And I'm really excited. Like I'm I'm buying all the tickets. I'm going and doing all the things. What are
2: you seeing? Is it Top Gun or Downton Abbey? Because it can only be one. It, it is Top Gun, I
0: have <laughs> to admit.
2: <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit that one.
0: Paulina, one more thing I I did want to touch on with the F1 experience, and I do, because I felt this from the, the, (laughs) I'm going to keep saying from the virtual side, but from the at-home experience, was just the partnership that F1 had with Miami and how important that was to, of course, I, I think that's instilled in the F1 experience, that the locations truly are integral to the race itself but it's not dissimilar to what meetings and event planners do when they're producing events and partnering with a DMC, CVB, or, you know, however that can come to light. I know I saw that in Austin where the planners of the Forester experience, and we talked about this a little bit, but they really integrated some of the best of Austin into the conference. And I, I love that because part of going to events is the destination, right? So to... To not talk about that or to not celebrate that seems like a missed opportunity. And and again, it's part of that sensory thing, the food, the streets, the sounds, the, you know, like there could be music that's relevant somewhere. So I'm curious, Paulina, how Miami was celebrated as part of this too.
2: For context, the, the race took place at Hard Rock Stadium, which is um, technically north of downtown Miami. It, no, it is north of, of Miami. But where my siblings and I stayed, we stayed in South Beach which is not in Miami. I mean, it technically is in Miami, but it's significantly distant from downtown Miami and from where um, the stadium is. But they had drag racing on Ocean Drive, right? They brought out these amazing cars. They had a massive, I mean, we're talking like, I want to say maybe two or more football field-sized, this space on the beach. It was, I think it's called like the FTX, you know, experience. And they had... Viewing like massive viewing jumbotrons. They clearly had musical performances. Um, there was a plethora of like local vendors, whether they were like Cuban style cuisine or Creole cuisine. It, it was just such a, an eclectic showcase of, you know, all of what Miami has to offer from a cultural perspective too. Um, but staying true to sort of that like Miami fun, I think even some of the teams you know they took over some of the the hotels and aligning a team with a brand of hotel I mean what an amazing idea from brand recognition right when you see that the Ferrari drivers are staying at the W hotel I mean I feel like it speaks for itself or when you see you know Aston Martin drivers staying at the the Four Seasons there is some real brand continuity there that I think allows for exposure for these existing partnerships.
0: Yeah. And you could see kind of direct application to our space too, from conferences, like what if exhibitors or sponsors started to partner even closer with hotels and what might that mean? Like what could those brand synergies provide to the overarching conference experience and ultimately the connections that are made too? the the possibilities seem endless when you kind of take some of these takeaways from a B2C event and start to like, just unpack them and apply them to our space too.
1: I think that's what's so exciting about everything coming back now is like, we can now have more inspiration than we had before. And not not that we didn't have any, we had some within the virtual space for sure, but the return back to these bigger events in person, we have more to take from, we have more to consume, and we have more inspiration kind of happening all around us. So I feel like that's the most exciting part. Yes, it may be a fire hose for us, both professionally and personally, but man like just hearing you talk about it Pauline it gives me chills because it's like the activations that they have everywhere it's just like it's so inspiring to to be back again for for some of us anyway
2: i think even just to kind of put a fine point on it i mean we're talking about a major city but i imagine that you know the state of florida like they probably haven't seen this kind of revenue surge since probably hosting you know a super bowl and it shows how many people it takes to put on event, an event of this size. And I feel like, you know, that's also kind of a great feeling uh, to know that the workforce is coming back because so much of the meetings and events industry, whether you're B2B or B2C, had been subjected to, you know, a difficult time finding work. And I think it's just, it's a great indicator for, you know, where we're going forward.
0: I think that's a perfect close for this episode today. We are back the industry is back, the workers are back, the excitement's back, the brand awareness, the brand activations are back. So we are, I hope you could feel our enthusiasm for the opportunity that we now have, that we've got this not just the virtual events, not just hybrid events, but the in person piece is fully back and fully full force. So we are pumped and we're excited to be talking about more of these in person experience experiences that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. IMAX, I believe, is one of our upcoming episodes. So stay tuned. But our ask to our listeners, of course, as we ask every week, is what's your takeaway? We want to hear from you. We want to know what's going on with you and your events. And if any of this is resonating with you, and maybe you're inspired by some of what we talked about today, whether that was from Paulina's perspective from F1 or the NFL draft or any of these key takeaways that we've had, we would love to hear from you. So shoot us an email at cvent.com. That's our inbox. We're checking that regularly and we want to hear from you guys. So with that, I'm Melissa. this is Paulina and Rachel, and this is Great Events. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by c if you want more resources on how to make your events great, go to community.cvent.com. That's community.cvent.com. Or if you've got a question for us or just want to say hi, email us at greatevents.cevent.com.